Welcome to In the Deep. The following was excerpted from a Dharma Dialogues Zoom session recorded on June 6, 2020, in Australia. It's called Grief and the Mustard Seed. I invite you to join any of the Zoom sessions coming up. They will be held on the first and third weekends of each month at two different time slots per weekend, so that wherever you are in the world, there's a time slot for you. You can see our schedule page at katherineingram.com for details. As we all know, it's been a rather stressful time for months. Um, of course, we've had a, a, a very dangerous pandemic running about. And, uh, and then, of course, we're also dealing with a lot of social unrest in the world, not only in America, in the world. Um, as it comes closer to the countries that we live in, we become hyper aware of it. You know, it's in our news, but it's, it's not news to many, many people in the world who are living in social unrest as a way of life. And I, I dare say that for us, because we're not used to it in general as a kind of background noise, um, many of us are experiencing anxiety and and some depression also uh, for all kinds of reasons that, that it's just been a very, you know, hard few months. So one of the things that I've been reflecting on very, very deeply is when I really ask myself, what, what is going on in my awareness? What is going on in my attention that is triggering lots of anxiety? It's a lot of pictures. It's a lot of scary pictures. And those scary images are being played out in the news. And it's not as if one is just fully hallucinating them or anything like that. But what I notice in my own case is that it takes a certain uh, fierceness of attention to not keep indulging those scary pictures. It's okay that they arise and because they're arising in the actual imagery on the news, and also in addition to months of seeing people in hospitals and so on because of the pandemic, you know, we're not, we're not just making those things up, but we might be overplaying them. We might be overplaying them. And I know that that's happened to me some, uh, and then I get quite anxious inside. I get very fluttery inside, um, like a, you know, a ner nervous animal. Um, and, uh, and I have to take myself in hand and go back to basically my, my animal senses, my breath, all the ways that one learns over the many years to calm oneself down. Use your toolbox of calming methods uh, you know, move your body, go for a walk, take a bath, listen to a lovely piece of music, read some dharma, sit quietly, and be, and feel into this beautiful privilege of being. What we are often handicapped by, and I talked about it recently on a Zoom session, is our expectations of 
good life, safe life, abundant life, right? We're, we're, that's our expectation. And sometimes when those expectations are challenged in our, in our awareness, it becomes this, this almost mental torment. But what if your expectation was simply that you're really loving being just this, you're loving this, loving being. That's all we ever really got, right? I was reading some from I Am That before this call began, and just his constant emphasis, Nisargadatta's constant emphasis on the relaxation into I am, right? Or just emness will do, or just beingness. And that's not to block out the world, of course. We can't really block out the world. Um, it, it invades our spaces. But, but what we can do is manage our attention wisely and keep returning to what I'd like to call the eternities. The eternities, meaning the deeper considerations about what is life, what what matters here? What's, what's your own personal experience of beauty and kindness, right? Just the real basics. Just return home. Return home. Now, that said, we're very, very lucky to have Noah on the call with us. He's sitting in front of Arunachala in Tiruvalumni. It's there in the background. For those of you who don't know, this is um, <laughs> this is um, the mountain where Ramana Maharshi went when he was 16 years old and lived out his his days. And he sat there uh, at, uh, in the in the mountain. He had a cave in, in the, on that mountain. And eventually a, a an ashram at the foothills. I've actually never been, um, but Noah happens to be there and uh, happens to have a a little uh, studio apartment that has this view. And uh, many, many a seeker over decades of time has uh, has sat at this mountain. Um, it's very uh, very special place in in people's hearts. Because his teaching was so pure and so simple. And I, I, for me, every time I, I see an image of it, and I've been lucky to have Noah on a couple of calls recently, um, I'm reminded of the eternal presence. That's, that's it. I'm reminded of that which is here when everything else kind of comes and goes. Everything else does come and go. So to, to really rest, to really rest in, in that sanctuary, the only one we have, everything is just, you know, this, the so-called sands of time are just like blowing by. And we get caught up in our little moment of history. It happens to be the one we're very attached to and very much embedded in. But let's use this hour or so to let our awareness expand 
into bigger space and into a more timeless recognition. So I invite us to just for a few minutes, let's just enjoy. We're seeing a live image of Arunachala, which is our, our reminder of that which isn't coming and going. And I don't mean the mountain, I mean the representation of being. And let's let our breath be very relaxed. Whatever that means to you, you don't have to control it. But a calming breath. Thank you, Noah. Thank you. 
<laughs> Beautiful. It's so still that other than the little bit of movement of the fronds in the near distance, it could be a, a photograph almost. It's just amazing and such a, such a privilege, such a reminder. I was really looking forward to this, actually, to sitting with the mountain again. <sighs> and that's another thing I, I've been working with in this phase is really letting myself have little joys, noticing my little joys, really. Noticing all the little things, you know, get into my bed at night. Oh, so lucky, actually. You know, a nice cup of tea. All the little things of the day, our beautiful days. I have felt, not really for the first time in my life, but I think I've felt it the most, the presence of death, the presence of the, uh, of the possibility of, of death lurking around in a way that I haven't, haven't felt so clearly before. I, I certainly have a relationship to that concept for a long, long time, but, but with, with the uncertainties that we're in and the fact that so many people um, in these last months went from being healthy to being very, very ill and to dying and to knowing that that, that could happen to me. I'm of an age that uh, is high risk. Um, that could happen to any of us. And it could happen in the most, uh, you know, ordinary of, of, of ways, you know, you, you, you go to the store and maybe somebody ha was sick there before you and somehow, you know, you get it. And um, I think we are, we're all, we've all been living with, with a certain sense of it feels risky to be out and about with humans, right? I'm noticing like if I watch something, a movie, obviously they've been made pre-COVID, and it looks so amazing to see congregations of people and people kissing and wandering about and talking in, you know, groups and rooms. And um, I noticed that I'm watching it with this, with this sort of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost awestruck that that is how we used to live not that long ago. And now, I don't know about at your stores but and your public places, but here in Australia, you know, we have the the feet that you stand on quite apart from any other human near you. Um, so these are all the ways that are signaling to our being that anything could happen. Um, you know, it could happen. We have to be very, very vigilant, very careful. And naturally, for those of us who are paying attention to the U.S. news, that's very worrying and very, very upsetting and and also signaling danger so i have been feeling this this uh sense of 
of death being more of a possibility than I had previously. I mean, I knew it was coming eventually, but but I've just been feeling it lurking around closer. Plus one of my very good friends is just suddenly got sick, not with COVID, but he's very, very ill, just on the edge of death. And um, very, very suddenly he got sepsis and that just took over his body and he's been in the hospital for two months. But what I'm, what I'm experiencing also is that I'm, I'm experiencing it as a comrade. I'm experiencing death as my, as my close comrade now. And it's been riveting in terms of the transformation that I've been feeling in these ways that I'm speaking about. A lot of gratitude. I'm really not thinking about a lot of nonsense or sweating the small stuff or any of that. I, it, as soon as any kind of thought like that arises, it just dissipates immediately. Um, I find myself feeling very tender toward people, feeling very, feeling very, very raw and tender, feeling a lot of love for all of us, just the beings of time, the, 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 the amount of, of love that is condensed in this, this small space of this physical being and in this shortness of time as well, you know, that it's a lot of, it's so intense to be this creature that has this capacity to feel so deeply about so many things. And yet it's very temporal in a, in a, in a container that's incredibly vulnerable. All of that I, I'm very, very aware of. You know, I walk around and I see... I was at the beach today and this little boy, he, he probably was only three. There was this huge uh, field and, and kind of far off, there was a kiosk with a coffee shop, kind of a little counter coffee shop. And there were a bunch of people congregated over there, but he was, he was way off in the field where I was standing waiting for a friend who was, I, do, I was due to meet to go for a walk on the beach he was just there kind of by himself. And so we're chatting. He's pointing out some birds to me and we're chatting. And so I said to him, you know, where's, where's your mother? And he said, I don't know. And I said, how about your dad? He said, I don't know. And I suddenly felt this overwhelming protectiveness. Like, I've got to handle this right now. I've got to find these, this child's parents. And I felt, I just wanted to scoop him up. I knew I didn't dare do that because what if his parents were over there watching and think that I'm going to kidnap him? But although I did have a little temptation to do that, but I <laughs> thought I might kidnap him, <laughs> but not really. But I, I found, I felt this like he could have been my child. I just felt this like heartbreaking love in these moments. And I kind of wandered with him. I kind of lured him to walk over toward where there was more of a crowd. And a woman was walking by talking to her own children. And I thought she said something to, to the boy. Um, and I said, do you know him? And she said, yeah, yeah. His parents are over there. So I kind of walked over there with him and the father came out and got him, which I thought was a little odd that, 
that they weren't more on top of it. But point being that all these little moments of connection and of feeling into the preciousness of this life and that all of these beings are so vulnerable, right? We're all just so, so lightly here, as Leonard Cohen says. We are so lightly here. It's been, um, it's just been a real time of deep dharma for me, a deep retreat. Uh, we've all been in retreat, haven't we? And for some, I think for people who are used to more, a lot more doing in life and a lot more running about, it's been really hard for them, super hard. But for those of us who, whose awareness tends to these eternal reflections, I think it's not been as hard. It maybe has been, there have been moments, of course, but, but to really let yourselves return to that which you know is your safe spot, which is sitting squarely in the Dharma on your mountain seat of freedom, grateful for being, grateful for being. I haven't got a question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it was lovely to see Arunachala again. Yes. Um, I went to Arunachala seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And the other I came back, I was uh, diagnosed with uh, leukemia. Oh. So I've been living with the idea of death. Uh, in the way that you do with the sort yeah, that I have, which is like uh, indefinite. Yeah. Um, I feel okay. Uh, I just don't have so much energy as I used to. Yeah. Um, because of my condition, I've been through this really strange time when I'm called shielded. So the only people that I've seen and talked to face-to-face -face for about two months and my two daughters who bring my shopping uh, twice a week. One, you know, one of them comes uh, once a week, each of them. Mm. So, and it's just kind of condensed my own sort of hermit-like life with my music into what I said in the email that I replied to you, that I just feel like I'm living in a cave on a mountain. It was great uh, to see Aaron Achler. So um, I do get twinges of fear. I take the rubbish out, and all of a sudden the outside has become a bit of a scary place. You don't know what's going to happen. But the thing is, you don't know what's going to happen anyway. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Nobody yeah. knows what's going to happen. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now this has just brought it into high relief, um, but it, it was always so. And it's like we are getting a certain benefit. Uh, it has a silver lining um, if we let it, you know. And that's always the case with any kind of so-called adversity. Is it? Yes, you don't have to deny that there's an adversity, but you 
there's a wise way of, of seeing what you can understand in a deeper way about life and about truth and about death and, and about letting go. You know, that's another part of this is, it's kind of my mantra, <laughs> you know, it's letting go and letting be and realizing, you know, I, I've kind of given up any kind of struggle about trying to make things better. If, if that is somehow in my path um, to do, to offer in some way, I'm happy to do that, but I don't feel tormented with like, there's something I need to be doing here. And I think that is, it's just very liberating to kind of release that one, you know? So anyway, lovely to see you, my dear. Really lovely. Lovely to see you. Hi, Catherine. Hello. Hello. So nice to see you again. It's been yes, you several, dear. Several, several years since you you were in Denmark. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. I miss you so much. <laughs> you, and you signed up for the Italy retreat, and yeah, I did. Oh, I'm so sad we couldn't go. <laughs> but that's that's the way it is. Yeah, I, I did yeah. book it for 2021, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we we'll hope walk. so. Yes, yes, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um. I don't know if you remember, but I lost my husband about yes. almost, it's almost five months ago. He, he died in January. Yes, from, you uh, did. You wrote to me. Yeah, terrible uh, tumor, brain cancer. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, of course, in, in grief and, yes. uh, and try to hold on. Yes. And, and then, then this uh, corona came and... Whoa, yeah. it's just many things. Yeah. Um, and I, I try to do, like you say, you know, let, let, let the grief roll and, and try to be in the tears when they come and, and the sadness. And then I also try to be grateful for all the yeah. things I have in my life. Yeah. And I, um, and I, every, Actually, one of the things I really enjoy to, I look forward to when I get up, when I sit and, and eat my breakfast, I li always listen to your podcast. Oh. And it makes me so, so grateful. And, and, um, and it, it just comes to me, it's like, oh yeah, that's the way it is. That's, that's life, you know, it's, it just makes so much sense to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have, but what I want to, tell you about now is uh, uh, my biggest problem is in the morning when I wake up like you say we, we wake up and we don't know who we are and then it's like oh my god I'm me oh my god this is my life and oh my god I don't have my husband he's dead yes it is it's very very dark yes hard. and, and I, I just um, I don't know it's it, I have such a hard time in getting myself into that just space about, oh, okay, I have to be in it. I have to, it's, it's so, it's so depressing and, and dark. And so it's difficult to get up from the bed. I do it anyway, because I force myself, I have to do things. And yeah. I started my work again. And, and when I get up and when I sit and eat breakfast, I can, 
I can, I feel like I can handle my life. You know, I get, my, my mood gets better when I listen to you. And uh, so it makes more sense. Of course, I always, I'm always happy and grateful to see my kids. They're 18 and 21 and still live home. And oh. I'm very, very, yeah. very happy about that. Beautiful and boys. Was your husband the father of the two boys? No, no, oh. he wasn't. But he loved them so much. And they, yeah. they loved him so much. They had a very special relationship because he was a very loving, loving, wonderful husband. Mm. And, mm. and finally, I, you know, I felt like he was, he was the love of my life. So it's a very big loss. It's a huge loss. Yeah. And, and I know, of course, I'm in grief and I try to, I, I accept it. And I, but, but for those mornings, every morning when I wake up, it's so heavy so dark so so oh i can hardly be in my body mm-hmm. do you have any suggestions how i can handle that moment when i wake up okay what's coming to me to say is for you to basically accept that that is the situation for now and so you basically have to double down every morning and say here arrives grief that comes with my waking up into the day. Here comes grief. And, and surrender in that, right? And, not, and don't even bother thinking, okay, this needs to be done with. I, this is going to kill me. This is going to, I'm going to fall in depression. I'm going to, you know, don't fill out a whole bunch of other things. Just here comes grief yet again in the morning. And... And to know, sweetheart, that many, 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 many millions, billions of people have walked the same road as you are walking now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I know. Paul, me, I lost my brother very suddenly. Yeah. As a mother, I'm sure you've heard me speak about it. Yeah, yeah. Like a mother. So it was like losing a child, a grown child, you know, all of a sudden a heart attack. Yeah. And, and I, like you, I, I felt like getting up in the day was taking every bit of mental um, stability and strength that I had. Yeah. And now it's, he died in 2002, 18 years ago. Yeah. And every now and again, I am overcome by moments of grief. Really? Yes. So I, I don't even, I don't have a story that says it shouldn't be there. Mm. You know, basically, if you love, you will grieve. You only grieve because you love. Yeah. And what can you do? You've got to, like, you can't not love, you know? No. So, and you were, of course, very, very, very lucky to have such a love in your life, to have his presence in your boys um, as a stepfather. And, and so you're, you're left with all these gifts in your own heart, in their hearts, right? And yeah, it's, it, you know, one of my friends, when my brother died, and maybe you've heard me tell this on this podcast, but when my brother died, of course, all my friends are Dharma people, right? So they're all calling in and sending in, you know, emails, beautiful, wise words, right? Yeah. But one of my friends, he simply said to me, that sucks. Yeah, it and it does was, suck. 
it sucks. And, and yeah. that was, it was the truest thing that anyone said. It was everybody yeah. else wonderful. And yeah. they said good things, yeah. but nothing was more true than what he said. Yeah. And I felt that it went straight to the heart of my, of the matter. Yes. Because like you say, the, it, it's, it just sucks. And then the, you know, People say, well, remember all the good things and you're so lucky you experienced that kind of love. Not everybody does and all that stuff. And I know that. But then the question comes, but but why? Why us? Why him? You know, we're only 50 years old. We were just going to live, you know. But did, you, did you not ever notice people even younger than 50 years old dying? Yeah, no. People, little yeah. children die, teenagers die. Yeah, know. no. People, I, I, was, I was once in Hawaii on Maui, and, and there was this beautiful um, walkway along the ocean on Maui. Uh, it's in this very, very fancy area with all the fancy hotels. And there's this lovely, lovely walk. And we noticed that there was all this commotion of people rushing toward us like in uniforms and, and then there was this Japanese girl in a bikini and the look on this girl's face, I, I've never forgotten it. It was many years ago. She was, it looked like shock, uh, like I'd just never seen. And she's running along. Well, it turned out she was on her honeymoon with her brand new husband. He went mm -hmm. snorkeling and drowned and they literally were on their honeymoon. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, yeah. not to make light of yours at all. No, but, no, no, no. I know. know. Mustard seed story in Buddhism. Do you know that one? Which one? Mustard seed story. No. no. So allegedly in the time of the Buddha, um, the Buddha would travel around with his monks to different parts of India. And one time he's, camped outside of a town and a woman shows up and she is absolutely beside herself in grief and distraught beyond all measure. And she's holding a dead baby. <sighs> and so she says to him, you're supposed to be a great master. You're supposed to be a great teacher. You know, please, please bring my baby back to life. And she's sobbing at his feet. So he says to her, all right, but first, please bring me one mustard seed from the home of anyone in your town where no one has ever died, where none of their people, none of their relatives, no one has died. Yeah. And she went from home to home to home. Yeah. Begging for that mustard seed. And everyone with tears in their eyes would say, we would love to be able to give you a mustard seed, but yeah. we have lost our uncle our brother, yeah. our child. Yeah. So the why is a torment for you. You know, like I was saying before about how the gap between what we expect and thought should have happened and the mm. reality of what did and is happening is part of what torments us. Yeah, I know. I try to tell myself the words. I can hear your voice saying, it is as it is. It, this is the way he's dead. That's the way it is. So, it, so you know, I try to accept it, but I'm, I think I'm not quite there yet, but I think... That's to, fine. To, yeah. That's fine. Basically, these words are just uh, placeholders for when yeah. you can hear them more deeply. Yeah. And, 
and you're telling them to yourself as well. But mm-hmm. it takes a while. You're in a kind of shock phase. Yes, and, I am. You know, and, and just what I'm saying to you is surrender to that phase and just say, this is what it is. I'm going to, mm-hmm. part of it is denial. Part of it is shock. Part of it is such deep, profound sadness that feels like yeah. it's flooding all of my cells with sadness. Yeah. Right. All of that is... But it's also, there is also some fear in it. Because I also, there is also a little bit, no, no, a lot of fear about, you know, what about me? I'm alone now, you know. I I just, I love to have my husband and now I'm alone again, you know. So part of that is also rolling. Do your boys live at your house? Yes, they do now. But, you know, it won't be long until they move away away from home. But they still do. They're there. Who knows what'll happen? You might get a roommate. Who knows? You know, just that part isn't yet quite true. In fact, no, you're, no. You're with your boys and yeah. how, how wonderful to have two, you know, strapping young men there. Yeah. Yeah. Things around the house that can fix things. And yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. They're so you know, good. They're so good. So, um, yes. Yeah. So, you know, to part, part of, part of this is taking yourself in hand and, and dealing with the actual loss, but not adding on to a lot of other traumatic feelings that don't need to be, to be put on the table because you've already got enough yeah. on the table. So, I know. That's, you know. That's just one of my things. I put extra things on top of them. Yeah. And people, we all do that into some measure. You know, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Just really give yourself permission to when you wake up in the morning, don't think it should be any other way. It's just how it is. But also don't say it's permanent. No. It's just what's happening now. Right? Yeah. Okay. There may yeah. come a point. Huh? Yeah, there may come a point. There's some kind of um, noise. I don't know what it is. Um, it's, it's, rain, it's raining here. <laughs> well, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All right. No, no. <laughs> um, there may come a point when um, just surprisingly it, some sort of cloud lifts, you know, and not that it goes yeah. away entirely. It may never. You know, it may always live in some residual way, which will make you and your heart all the more tender, will make you all the more beautiful to everyone around you. And, you know, you, you think so? Totally, because, you know, you have heard me say, because you have listened to so many podcasts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I only hang around with the bro- brokenhearted. And I'm me too. Just, yeah. I'm not just saying that. It's that I prefer their company. Not to, I don't, I'm not meaning that they're sitting around moping all the day, but I mean no. that they're so tenderized and they can yeah. feel that deep empathy because yeah. I don't know how anybody lives on this earth without a, quite a fair amount of sadness because there's constant loss. And even if your life is just going along swimmingly, you can't help but notice the suffering of others, just like Emily yeah. was talking about, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, it if you're a feeling person, and I am, <laughs> yes, you are. And for any of us who are sensitive, who are feeling, who, who, you know, sense this this universality of life, and I don't even mean just human life, right? I, I mean, you know, any life. Yeah. Um, then 
then you're constantly subject to loss, either your personal direct experience of it or watching the loss of others that they're experiencing. You know, I have a feeling that, that most of us or maybe all of us on this call right now are in some measure feeling into your grief and feeling, mm-hmm. being reminded of all the times and people we've lost, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so it's just, it's just part of being alive and yeah. no need to think this should be different. You don't have to analyze why did this happen? Of course it happens. People get sick and die all the time, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it's, this is what, what we've got here. Yeah. And, and yet, and yet, you probably do have beautiful moments that... I do. Yeah, good. So, so you say acceptance? Mm. I'm saying that you don't have to be any different and you don't have to feel anything different than what you are feeling. When you wake up and you feel you're in grief, also, that's what it is. And that's... Because, yeah. That's what happened for me with my brother and my grief through that. The one thing I was spared, Jeanette, was that I never had a story that said this should not have happened. I just dealt with the pure loss, the, 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 mm-hmm. the actual experience of not being with my brother, not being able to talk to my brother again. Yeah. That, was, that was all very, very sad and painful. And yeah. I sometimes dream about him and he would be alive in the dream and I would wake up and I would just, I, my, I would just have tears running down my face in the re in the realization that that was just a dream yeah. and, you know, that I would never again see him. And that's the other part of this is what it took me a long time to really understand the finality. Of yeah. Because, I don't think I've understood that yet. I just yeah. can't believe I'm never going to see him again. I'm never going to hug, hug him or kiss him or talk to yeah. him. He was also my best friend. You know, I'm never going to talk to him again. Yeah, right. Okay, well, and that's yeah. true. You know, yeah. that the love that you shared is living very brightly inside of you. And that's what you're left with. That's how it yeah. is. You know, it's yeah. hard. Very hard. So, you know, just don't add on to your suffering. Let your suffering be what it is. It's loss. It's loss of a huge love that you don't get to actually have in the physical form anymore. Um, And yet that love that you shared is still in you, which is what he wanted for you. Yes, he said that. Until he died, he just said, I want you to promise me to make a good life for yourself. You have to promise me. (laughs) And he even said, I want you to find another man so he can hold you and give you love because I know you'll enjoy that. So it's very big love to let me, you know, set me free. Do you know what I mean? Yes, of course, sweetheart. Yes. But, but in the morning, I just in the morning, I think sometimes I, I try to say, you know, positive affirmations. Say, um, thank you for being alive. I'm sitting here on my mountain seat of freedom, and I don't budge. You know, I try to tell myself that. Is that wrong? Should I just say, no? It's just like that. I'm just depressed, and I'm just dark. It's that's the way it is. Or is you it okay? Talk, you can toggle back and forth. Basically, you can. You know, there will come those moments that are calming thoughts. You know, I use all the tools in my toolbox whenever I, I need them. Right. So whether it's um, agitation yeah. or a little bit of fear or 
as in I'm saying, in this phase that we're now in, um, where there's been a lot of, um, you know, anxiety floating around in the whole world, um, I I use whatever whatever I can uh, use in the moment. And sometimes the the body emotions yeah. are so strong that they're just still running, even though I'm telling myself I'm redirecting my attention. Yeah. You know? So yeah. No, it is. That's you okay. don't have to okay. be a kind of perfect thing whatsoever. You don't have to be suddenly in a new state or anything like that. But believe no. me, all of these reflections that we're talking about and that are going in, because I can hear that you have been grokking them, metabolizing your own Dharma talks to yourself. Yeah. It's happening. And yeah. and and it's it's gonna sink in at whatever levels and at whatever pace. Okay. According to you and according to your nature. But yeah. sometimes we're sometimes we are talking to ourselves, we're giving ourselves a pep talk. Yeah. We're not ready, we're not evolutionarily there yet. But it's part of why you eventually do metabolize it. Mm. Because it's part of it. It's kind of like yeah. if you think that in terms of food, you know, you smell the food, you put the food in the mouth, you're chewing the food, right? Yeah. And then there's a swallowing process. And then there's a digestion process where it's getting into your cells and yeah. it's feeding your system and giving... It takes time. It takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, um, I, will. I will. This helped a lot. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, the last time we spoke, I... You, I was talking about enjoying a lot of presence and you were saying about it's a rarefied air that I'm breathing. And I was seeing, um, listening to others today, that um, I haven't had a shocking loss for several years, <laughs> although there have been quite a few in the past. But lately, um, what I've lost is I seem to have lost my optimism. And I see that in fact it seems to be something of a gain because I'm, what I seem to be seeing is that a lot of my optimism was, was unrealistic. Um, and lately it seems balanced I, I, with, with friends who are upset about whatever it is. And one of the things that's going around my set of friends is about... Um, people posting conspiracy theories, you know, that the, the, the virus is a hoax or, or uh, you know, other things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I realized that um, many people that I love, I don't really share their values mm. and beliefs, hardly mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't share my, well, I would say experiences rather than beliefs of mm -hmm. um, simply being present, really. Yes. And, um, yes, it's a conundrum <laughs> in, our, in our world that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of our a lot of our relationships they're not necessarily an easy match on all categories. Uh, 
sometimes with people, if you've known them a long time, you might be down to just one or two categories that are left. <laughs> like we went to school together, <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, in the tenderness, it's nice to find the places one meets Leave aside the places you don't meet. Why, why bother? Mm. Really? This is another thing mm. about the let go and let be. Yes, I'm seeing also this thing about not doing, which is that I yeah. don't need to write and say, listen, you know, uh, why don't you check the facts or what? Right. As tempting as it is to, to want to. That I, I don't want to do that. Yeah, other friends are doing that, but I don't want to do it. And, and I feel yeah. sort of... Um, uh, a bit lost in my own presence that I that I I don't really want to do anything about like that sort of thing. Understand, um, I understand, and and at at a certain point of recognition about the situation here, and especially as we're talking about the precariousness of it, um, you realize you don't want to waste time in that which is futile in that which is just causing more separation in that which you have yes. virtually no uh agency to change right yes that's what that's what's come to me that that before i felt that out of and what i'm describing as unrealistic optimism i thought i could uh, make things better and what i'm seeing right. is that i can't no, do much at often all. it just makes it makes things worse to try to intervene in in people's um you know yes Ways of I actually saw a cartoon this past week in the New Yorker or somewhere. Um, there's a guy uh, sitting at a kitchen table reading the newspaper, and he's saying to his wife, "It says here I'm right about everything." <laughs> 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 and um, you know, of course, we all know people who are very, very stuck in their opinions and they're just on, like it's especially the people who are into conspiracy theories and they're just on it all the time. And it becomes a little mm. exhausting to have to mm. listen to. So everything we just said about let go and let be, I'm also mm. going to throw in my own mm. personal way of uh, playing this, which is, yes, you get to have your beliefs, do your thing. We'll try to find some spots of, um, of, of connecting, but... I don't really want to hear a bunch of nonsense. I don't also have time for listening to just nonsense, you know, mm -hmm. like listening to a crazy person mm -hmm. standing on the street screaming at the sky. How long are you going to listen, you know? And so mm -hmm. um, I think it's also fair to have some measure of how much time you're going to spend with people with whom you don't have a lot of overlapping categories, you know, you might have a little bit and then, and you try to meet yeah. them there, but that you don't force the issue by saying we've got to find agreement when there isn't to be that. Now I want to go back to your optimism thing. And that is that I, and this is just my nature. I'm not, I'm not saying anybody should be like this, but I'm just going to share my own direct experience. I have a resistance to the notion of optimism because I see it as false hope. Um, I like realism. Mm. Now, realism might mm. include some nice things. It, 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 it includes however things roll out, you know. Mm. But I want to I want to make friends with reality, mm. right? I don't want to have to be living in a state of hoping 
as in a lot of optimism is a certain type of hopefulness and a kind of leaning into thinking it's all going to work out. And usually what that means is it's going to work out in happy ways. That's what, that's what optimism generally refers to. I prefer surrendering to how things are going. Mm. Right. And finding this is the change that I've experienced from dropping out of, of um, optimism in, into a, a greater realism. And, and it's, it's not that comfortable. <laughs> well, well, you can make friends with it. And, and what I said earlier about finding, um, <laughs> about finding the threads, uh, the, the silver linings in whatever the situation might be, you know, mm. that you mm. start to move your attention into, okay, this is the reality. Mm. How can I make the best of this reality? You know, how can I find the wise, harmonious thread through it? That becomes mm. your intention and that becomes your default position in any circumstance, you know. Um, I mean, you can, I'm just randomly having a, a memory that I'll share. Just, you know, it's just come out of the blue. A friend of mine and I, I happened to be visiting San Francisco. Um, I had lived there years before, but then I was back visiting. And one of our mutual friends was in the hospital in very bad a very bad way. In fact, he was dying. We didn't know it at the time, but he died soon after we went to visit him. So we went there, we visited him. It got a little bit late. The visiting hours were over. We go out to get in her car in this empty hospital parking lot and she cannot find her keys. They're just gone. And we look everywhere we 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 come the whole dark parking lot we looked we traced all these floors that we'd gone up to see him of course the hospital was supposed to be closed and they let us in just to do the search of the key so we knew we had to kind of do this fast and get out and we were just you know well her husband had a spare set of keys but he was quite a long ways away but we got into just this these fits of laughter about the whole thing, right? I mean, it was a minor little annoyance. It wasn't that big a deal. It wasn't a gigantic tragedy or anything like that. But we often have looked back on that night as kind of this weirdly fun night that we <laughs> were just searching for the car keys. Mm -hmm. After seeing our friend, I mean, there was probably some way in which the contrast of what he was dealing with and our little problem of not having the keys. And <laughs> anyway... So my point is that in many ways, you can kind of just get over yourself when you're just mm. in some story about, I don't like this. I don't like it. A lot of people are just not liking being shut in. Um, they're just pissed off about it. And <laughs> to the degree you indulge all that, you suffer. It's simple, right? It's not that it's a bad thing. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just you'll suffer. So it's good to um, make friends with things as they are. It's hard. It's hard in many ways to make friends with reality, as you're saying, but it is the easier path. What I'd like to speak about is also is, is grief of a different kind. So I'm no stranger to loss. Um, 
in my life. I've had uh, experienced a lot of uh, deaths of people close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, lockdown has been a very strange mixed experience for me because in many ways it does feel like a a retreat and I I'm lucky enough to live in a very small town but close to the countryside so I do spend a lot of time in nature which has been a refuge for me a beautiful refuge Mm. and um but there's been waves and waves and waves of grief coming and my and the grief I'm experiencing is the loss of contact with my grandchildren in particular. So I live I, I live alone. Um, I split up with my partner shortly before lockdown, ironically. So I'm living alone. Um, my daughter, she's a single parent with twin toddlers. Bless her, it's hard. Um, and they live 150 miles away in the southwest of England. And I have, since the boys were born, I have seen them every month of their life until this year. So I haven't now seen them since February. And I miss them terribly. Mm. And I, and she tells me they miss me. And I, I you know, they're... Their language is really coming along. We speak on the video. One of them said one of them said to me, they say funny little things like, Where are you, grandma? Where are you? Or come here, grandma. Mm. And um I feel I feel like I I don't mind dying. I'm not I don't mind dying myself, really. Mm. Um it might be quite a relief, actually, with the way the world is at the moment in some ways. But what I'm finding is my biggest struggle is that I do not know when or if or how I will be able to cuddle my grandchildren again. And it brings me huge amounts of sadness. Yeah. And you did, when you were speaking to, I've forgotten her name, but the Danish woman who's been widowed, uh, a lot of what you said to her, I felt, yeah, that really resonated for me. Just be with the grief. Um, Don't have an expectation that it should be any other way. But I think what the thing that my mind does, and then I'll stop kind of rambling, I've been trying to, what I've been doing just in this last week is trying to weigh up the risk. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe I should just go there now. And maybe I would be dead within a fortnight, but at least I would have seen the children and held them versus not going and getting, you know, catching the disease anyway without seeing them. Do you see what I mean? Although I'm, although I'm not doing anything risky, where I'm like, but I'm far more likely to catch it from my daughter and her boys because she has not been observing the social distancing as well as I have. She I has had, you know, she has had a take people take her to the shop 
in their car, for example, or people have come into her home, which, you know, she's not sticking. Yeah. So kind of, I just wanted to speak to that and see if you have anything you can say that might, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I mean, of course I can't make any real uh, suggestion for what your life decision might be on this. Um, I do have a sense that at some point this will get handled in terms of either things get locked down long enough that the virus goes to ground in a given region, um, which is how it is here in Australia, basically, and New Zealand, uh, and several other places. And it's not that there are no cases, and we still have to be a bit careful, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it feels quite safe. Um, and that probably will be the case, and, you know, who knows what therapeutics and all of that. So then the question would be to you, might it not be better for those little boys to have their grandmother around long term <laughs> rather than a short hug and then she's gone? <laughs> so, you know, um, so I, I would just say I can I can hear in you a certain the itch for that warmth and cuddle and so on. Maybe fall back on gratitude that you are having visual contact and, and conversation. And, you know, there are lots of grandmothers and grandfathers in your exact position. I know some. I know. Lots of them. And, um, and yeah. so, you know, I, I, I would say, of course, you'll make your decision and, and you'll live with your decision one way or the other. But your decision shouldn't include a sort of assumption that this part of it is permanent i think this part of it is not permanent whereas death is <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, i mean thank you that's uh, you know i think part there's this the picture is kind of there are other factors so the uk is hand well certainly england is handling coronavirus pandemic extremely badly compared with other countries so yes. uh, you know you know, yes, we, I'm aware of that, and I've factored that in because it, yeah. it doesn't necessarily stay that way, though. You know, it, it okay. may, be, you know, that it's. I don't. I, I I doubt that for the rest of our lives we're going to have to be living at this level of being sheltered. Um, I think somehow or other, either they'll start figuring out a much more effective way to smash the curve, as it said, or there'll be some therapeutics that come along. Um, or the, the virus may mutate downward and not be a killer. Oh. Uh, any, any number of things. Um, so, you know, I, I would just say, think of it in that term, that this is not, not necessarily, it could be a long time. I'm not saying it's not a long time, mm. but, but it's, you know, I don't sense it as permanent. I think we have other problems that are big that are probably well, on the horizon. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, we do indeed yeah but then those problems won't prohibit you hugging your grandchildren those other ones and maybe that mm. you get a lot, of, a lot of beautiful time with your grandchildren yeah thank you all right we'll sit together
in the timelessness of Ramachala and for all it represents. And knowing that none of us can find that mustard seed, but that what we do have is, is this moment, this, this taste of life right now. This is your precious moment, tasting life, experiencing life and being reminded of what matters. This has been In the Deep. We invite you to join us for any of our live online Zoom sessions twice a month. You can see the schedule page on our website at katherineingram.com for details. And if you feel moved to offer support for the production of the podcast, please consider a one-time or a recurring donation. The donation button is on every page of the website. Or else you can leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Till next time. <laughs>